0: Thanks, everyone, for doing this. I appreciate it. With us, we have Jessica Packard, who played the narrator role. We have Joseph Poss, who played John. We have Jasmine Anderson, who played Sarah. And we have Jillian Belrose, who played Tessa. While I couldn't get everyone who was in this podcast on this call at the same time, because that would be insane, uh, having like 10 different people talk about how the show went and everything, everyone else did like a really great job. So I'm super happy and super thrilled with the way that it turned out. And then obviously, if you're listening to this episode, we're going to be talking about spoilers and stuff. So if you haven't heard the podcast, I wouldn't listen to this first or the entire podcast would be spoiled for you. So don't do that. Don't ruin the experience. We'll start with the first question here. And um, Jessica, we could just start with you. So what did you think of the experience voicing like a character or narrator on a podcast and like Kind of what you think that that's like differently uh, rather than you like working on like a film or something like that.
1: Well, for me, the pre- there was just less pressure in general because I focused more on, you know, the emotion and the voice and I wasn't really worried about what my face was doing, <laughs> which kind of just helped. It, it take, took the pressure off for sure. And I think that was probably the biggest thing for me with voicing the narration. Um, and I know that's different than voicing one of the characters. So I'm interested to see what, you know, everyone else kind
0: of felt about it. Yeah, Jessica, what are your thoughts on that?
2: I kind of agree with Jessica. Yeah, I wasn't too really worried about what your face was doing and what your mannerisms were. It was just more of just trying to get that across through the voice. So it's kind of like a give and take. It is easy, but at the same time, it's not because the only thing that you've got to go on is your voice. So it's just trying to make sure that you can convey all of those emotions through the tone, through your voice, and then trying to just get it from what you're thinking to the microphone but it was definitely a a different change of pace and it's still like the emotional prep that came behind it was still something to try to have as a bat like have with you but it, it was kind of interesting to not see somebody i mean the only person that we saw when we were in the recording studio was just you right across from us so it was like still trying to convey that emotion but try to still be in the moment at the time so it was It was definitely a fun challenge, and it was something different. Jasmine?
3: It went by a lot faster than I expected. Just because, again, you're not feeding off of another person. You're kind of just going with your own feelings and emotions. The narration, when I was listening to it, it was so soothing. Like, I'd be listening to it, and it'd be, like, a nice, like, little, like, it was, like, almost an emotional break
4: from it. So I just wanted to bring that up because it was cute. I really liked it. Jillian? Uh, I well, so I study with Joseph. So um, I think he and I, we yeah, we actually come from the same school. So uh, yeah, it was it was pretty much the same thing for me. Uh, I'm used to I mean, I do voiceover work in general. But for something like this, I am used to playing off someone. So I really had to use my imagination a lot more than I normally would. Uh, and try to um, convey that emotion with my voice. Because I don't have the benefit of emoting with my whole body. So um, it's a challenge, but it's super fun.
0: Yeah, it it was definitely a different experience because I'm used to, yeah, definitely like watching actors play off of each other and then just redoing takes based off of what it looked like. So it was definitely different being in a room just one on one and me, just looking down at the script and just listening to you guys go at it. So, yeah, it, it was definitely a different experience as someone who like likes to watch actors act rather than hearing them talk, which I mean, it's still acting. But, yeah, it was definitely a real experience. And to back Jasmine's thing about the narration. Yeah, I knew I knew whenever I was like asking um, folks to read the script and send me all, their auditions or whatever Jessica, as soon as I heard yours, I knew that I knew that voice was it. So I, I'm I'm happy that other people are seeing that too. And
1: I'm glad I, I'm glad that it turned out the way that you had hoped it to because I really I really tried to get that emotion in there, kind of like what what everyone was saying. And it, it's hard with the narration because it's easy to just get into a robot mode where you're just reading it. But you know, if you kind of take in the story and start to feel it, it it helped me at least get to that point.
0: And another uh, little story about this podcast too is I was having a lot of trouble finding the person to play John. And I remember whenever Jillian sent me her audition and she, she read with Joseph and, but I didn't know the person at the time. And I remember I was, I was listening back to her tapes or whatever. And I was like, Hey, who's the person that you were reading with? Cause that kind of sounds like the John I was looking for. So I'm happy Joseph that, that, uh, that you read with her and that, that you took it on. I appreciate that.
2: Oh, for sure. It was, it was a lot of fun, uh, it was a lot of fun auditioning with her. We were it. We were at her place uh, in her room. We were just going over it a couple times, and it was it was a lot of fun. And I I, I appreciate you reaching out. It was a great project to be a part of. Th- this was something that I came up with right
0: before the the meeting started. So with like the popularity of like these sorts of podcasts, like Homecoming, like Lime Town, Mother Hacker, stuff like that. Do you guys like kind of foresee yourself doing another one of these in the future or? Would you rather try and go back to acting in front of the camera, maybe whenever this pandemic is uh, finally over?
4: I would do one of these every single day if I could. Yeah, it's super fun. I mean, why not? I feel like podcasts right now, that is a lot of people. That's their primary source of entertainment. And I feel like it harkens back to like old radio shows, um, which I loved and I would listen to as a child. I think there's a huge future in that.
3: Yeah, I,
1: I have to agree. I would definitely do more of these. And personally, I think it would be fun to to venture more into more character roles. Um and just try and audition and get more experience with voiceover uh, you know, acting. I think that would be fun. So that
3: is my next interest and I think I would like to get into that. I agree with both of them. I'd love to get back on screen but I'd also love to keep doing and it's also like a dream of mine to voice a cartoon character so it's something that I'd love to continue pursuing
2: I agree with everybody it's it's just something that it's a different muscle that you get to that you get to exercise and it's something new and it's something that's definitely challenging because again like you if you're used to the screen or even theater you're used to playing off somebody and now it's just like depending on how the style is you're you've got yourself to go off of and whatever else you've got in the room. So it's, it's definitely fun and it's something that keeps you on your toes and it's just something that you get to keep practicing and trying. And it's, it's, it makes things a lot more exciting. Yeah. I feel like every time I turn
0: around, there's, I see something about
2: um, like a new
0: fiction podcast popping up and they get super popular. And I even saw one the other day that they were saying like, it's, it's been like the first time that it's ever been done and which I I think it has because I've never heard of it, but someone actually released an entire like feature length fiction podcast so like it plays like an hour and 58 minutes i think is what the runtime was so i don't know i mean i kind of see where like one it doesn't take like quite the manpower and the budget of course of like what a film would do so i can definitely see a lot more people like figuring out like how to just just maneuver their scripts around just to where they can make it into either episodic or you know like a whole uh, feature length film. So getting into the actual podcast a little bit. So what did, what did you guys think of like overall kind of the story and the plot and the characters and like kind of where the story ended up going?
1: I I love the story. I mean, it's kind of near and dear to my heart after just, you know, going over the narration so much and just getting so like so much of the detail into it. It's great. And I, I loved the way that it ended up kind of, you know, the two broken families, you know, kind of coming together, uh, both Tessa and
0: Sarah. <laughs> Gosh, I, <didn't> <laughs> Olivia, but I was
1: like, that's not right. That's not right. No, here um, unfortunately, it, that, that just, was like, right. Mind going blank. You know, those two coming together and they've kind that's of got this new bond. Um, I just, I think it was great. And do you have a sequel in mind? Because I think there could be a, you know, place with uh, their future together. So I don't know. Just an idea.
2: (laughs) I love the story a lot. Like after you sent us the script and I I read through it, I was like, this is something that I'm definitely excited to be a part of because it's it kind of took everything that you had seen in like whether it comes from like video games or movies and everything, but made it and combined it all, but it made it better. And just the relationship that these characters had, it it was something different. And it couldn't have come out at a better time during this pandemic because it was just like people are looking for something new and they're looking for something to listen to. And, you know, truth be told, I've never actually on top just this podcast and then one alone. I've only ever listened to two podcasts ever. I was never really that type of person. But like it opened my eyes to something that not just because I was a part of it, but just because like a different way of telling stories and especially one that had such emotion into it and had such heart behind it. It was it was really fun to tell. And it was definitely something that I was really happy to be a part of.
3: I, I really liked the story. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It didn't remind me of it didn't necessarily remind me of like any other zombie podcast or anything I listened to. It felt more emotional, if that makes sense. It felt more like you were connecting to the characters, not their surroundings like which is what other zombie shows and whatnot are about it's about like the background what's going on in the background and not necessarily like the characters themselves so i really enjoyed that and i really enjoyed the connection between the characters because they had been with each other since the beginning which i feel is really rare to find in stories like these Side so note: just speaking of the emotion between the characters
1: i legit cried When I first read the story, when Olivia got shot, I just, like, couldn't believe it because I was not expecting it at all. (laughs) And then that whole scene um, with, you know, with her mom, Tessa, and everything going on and um, having to bury her, it was just so, like, in-depth for me when I was first reading it. And that kind of just helped with the narration and getting that emotion within it. But um, (laughs) that just goes to show as far as how that emotional connection was, you know, so... Well written.
4: So for me, anything post-apocalyptic, I'm up for. Uh, I love it. I thought it, it. It's very similar to. I feel like it's the next installment of Last of Us. That and that's a compliment because I love. I love that game so much. But uh, for me, it was. Yeah, it was super fun, and I like the fact that it's not like littered with a lot of people. You have a couple relationships that are that you're that you're tracking, and you really get to know the characters really well. and I feel like they're super defined, which you achieved very quickly, uh, which I thought was super impressive. So I liked that very much about the stories. It didn't take long for you to care about these people or for me anyway.
0: I definitely appreciate The the Last of Us call out because that was for sure an inspiration. That and a movie like The Road, which is a very sad movie, with like kind of like sprinkled in like a little bit of like the 28 Days Later stuff or whatever, just like whenever the zombies actually show up. We recorded this, I'll say, I think it was August of 2020. So it was for sure the pandemic was still going very strong. So I was curious, like, kind of what your feelings were, like, recording a story like this during that time and like also like having it release and the pandemic is still going i'm curious on what y'all's thoughts are on that
1: it definitely helped make it feel a little more authentic (laughs) you know just keeping in mind obviously not necessarily zombies but just things that could potentially happen you know with uh you know food not being available stuff like that i think it all just kind of helped play into the authenticity of you know the emotions and in, in the storyline and with it kind of still going on now you know i just feel like it's going to be relatable for the listeners at least i i hope it is um and just a story that they're really going to enjoy and kind of can connect with in that way
2: just to piggyback off what jessica said like it definitely helped like trying to be able to relate to what was going on in that world i mean granted i'm gonna be completely honest i never thought that Somebody would turn into a zombie or a, a sick or anything like that with the coronavirus, <laughs> but um, yeah, like waiting in line for food, like the scarcity of it, just trying to figure out if you were going outside. And I remember the first time I went grocery shopping during the pandemic, and it was just like I didn't actually think about it until I got back home. It was like, damn, I do, do I have the virus now? Like, what's what what's what's happening? And it's just like being able to relate to that is something that definitely kind of helped when getting in prep for this like role because it's just like now it's as opposed to something that now like we had our I call it the snow apocalypse. So like we had the snow apocalypse in February. I've never in my lifetime, I've lived in Texas my entire life, never have had I ever had to wait in line to get into a grocery store. And now I've done that twice in less than a year. So it's definitely something it makes you realize what you take for granted and like what's going on in the world around you like during a, a national like an international pandemic a worldwide pandemic and it puts things in perspective for like roles like this which is something that I didn't realize was a thing until I did this project
3: It was really surreal for it helped me get into character but also what also helped me was when When I went into the studio with you, it was just us. It was like the first outing I had been to since the pandemic started. I hadn't really gone outside except for grocery shopping. And even then I tried to make as few stops as possible. So that was like my first time being out. And I was just sitting there with you and... Just kind of like reading everything off. And it felt really surreal to be in front of another person, which I think like helped me personally because I was like, oh, I haven't been around other people in so long. And I went, well, neither has Sarah or John. They haven't been around like actual functioning human beings in so long. So that was definitely unique. And I think it was also you see a lot of loss in it. And I think a lot of people can relate to that because when their family member catches it and then they're in the hospital and, you know, a lot of people have lost their lives. And so I feel like it's something that, like, there's an additional emotional connection that people can make, which would be surviving, but without their
4: loved one. So unfortunately, when I was when I was reading it, a lot of those parallels didn't really um, hit me at the time. What hit me was so I was when so I'm an introvert. So I was actually like really thriving for a lot of the pandemic, because that's how I recharge is to be alone. The isolation was actually really good for me. But what happened was right around fall. So right when we recorded this, I started to check out a little bit (laughs) mentally, um, because I I started to go to a place where I was like, am I ever going to go back to work? Is there going to be work available to me? And I really didn't, I started to kind of not know what to do with myself at some point. It was like the, the, the kind of the vacation of it was over. Obviously it was a tragedy. I'm not, I'm not minimizing any of that, but just for me personally and the way I was living, it was kind of like the, the, the vacation was over and I started to kind of like dip in and out emotionally. And I felt like at some point Tessa was doing that. She would kind of have to rally at times. But if you think about all of that kind of loss, and having to fight day in, day out, you you use up all of your emotional reserves. And at some point, you just start to numb out a little bit. And I felt like there was a little bit of a correlation there. If I could put myself in those shoes, at some point, like anything, you just start to start to check out a little bit. And I felt like after Olivia died, she had a moment where she just was kind of there and then she wasn't and she was kind of in and out. And I thought that was super appropriate for how I was feeling at that time, which was I was kind of (laughs) dipping in and out of reality, if that makes sense.
0: I think a lot of people were for sure. And that's that's a really good parallel that you make with that character, because I think that she does do that a number of times after, unfortunately, Olivia's shot. I know we see her like. There's a moment which would look really good on film if it was actually shot, like in a, for a movie. But I think they're just driving to the next destination after they leave the the grave site, and we have Tessa like just there by herself, like in the back seat, and I have her like kind of move her arm to the seat. Like she was just going to, like, put it on, like, Olivia's lap or something like that. She can't do that. So, yeah, I, I know that there's a couple of times where she does things like that, but it eventually snaps into it whenever, I think it's whenever, whenever they go to the, um, the Philly safe zone and they realize it's just been, like, destroyed and stuff like that. And she's kind of, like, gets into high gear whenever she sees John and Sarah running toward the car.
4: Yeah, she snaps back into reality. But for a minute there, she kind of numbs out. And I was like, oh, I... I'm there, <laughs> so that part I recognized very clearly.
0: Joseph brought up a good point too, where I finished like the majority of this thing in 2019. But whenever he talked about the store trip, that like the one of the flashbacks that's in the that's in in the uh, podcast, I never thought about like we all did that. Like whenever this thing first started. And we didn't like we were so confused, like whenever we were like lining up outside stores and like had the mask or didn't have a mask at the time because you could get one and like trying to get groceries quickly. And there was like no meats or anything available. I forgot about that. That was pretty scary. Another thing that happens at uh, one of like the big moments in the script is when, of course, whenever whenever Olivia gets shot, which whenever I was writing this, I always knew that John wasn't going to make it. But I didn't know what to do with Tessa's kid. I didn't know if the probability would be correct, where like both kids would make it all the way to the end, or if one or another one would get lost. So ultimately, I decided to, to have Olivia shot, which I'm very sorry, Olivia, that you didn't make it. But toward the end, we see John kind of sacrifice himself in this situation where like there's just this giant horde of sick outside and it's probably stacked the odds are stacked against them where they're not going to come out so i'm curious on what do you all think if say maybe you were put in that situation would do you think that he would have tried to fight it off
1: That's a hard one, because obviously, you know, you want him to make it, you want them to, you know, get to the end as a family. But honestly, with just the sheer number of sick that were in the area and are surrounding their house, you know, it's just one of those things where he, you know, he was desperate for his daughter to make it, she had already been through so much, you know, having to be infected and have her arm cut off, you know all of that. He really, really wanted her to make it, and he loved her obviously. So he did all he could, and and I, I honestly just don't think there would have been any other option. They they probably would have run out of of ammo, and you know that would have been it. So that that's my take on it, at least. <laughs> you know he, he's he's the hero, and he he gets you know he helps his daughter. Get to where she needs to be because she had already been through so much and losing her mom and her sister and everything. So
2: in the in the moment, it's always kind of hard to figure out that kind of situation because you always have so much. You know, uh, you can only imagine the amount of anxiety and the just the pressure that you're feeling as that kind of person. I mean, him as himself as a character, he always looked out for Sarah. Like that was his main concern is that she was the most important thing, and you know he he really beat himself up for not being able to save his entire family and like the flashbacks flashbacks clearly like make that apparent that he blames himself for his entire family not being able to make it out so he was willing to do whatever it it took for sarah to make it and to have some sense of normalcy or some sense of a life at the safe houses that they would try to encounter and i totally understand why he did it I mean, granted, obviously you always want everybody to have a happy ending, but that's just not the way it works out. And, you know, John being the kind of person that he is, just always making sure that Sarah was looked after, that Sarah made it. Like, I mean, I don't know, granted, I'm not a father, but I can't imagine the kind of this, how scared he must have been when he cut his own daughter's arm off. Like, I, no parent ever imagines that. Hell, no parent ever imagines, like, putting their child, like, burying their child. But people do it, and it's just a whole sense of, of fear that like easily will determine what kind of choices that we make. And in this world, he was easily willing to give his life to make sure that if that meant that his daughter would make it. So I wholeheartedly agree that I think that he made the right decision. And I probably would make the same decision if that meant that my daughter could have a life. Like as a parent, you want what's as, as a good parent, you always want what's best for your kids. If not more than what you had and and this horrible world that they're growing up in it's it's not hard to do but if that means giving your own life i i would completely agree with john
3: just because i put myself in sarah's shoes so much i was so upset to see john do that and i don't think he would have if tessa wasn't there I don't think he would have made that decision without Tessa being there and knowing that she would be there to take care of Sarah. I think at that point he would have done everything he could. And just because I like related to Sarah so much, it made me so mad to see John do that, go and do that. He just made the snap decision like parents do because they're, they're the adults, you know, and he made the decision to do that without um, listening to his daughter. Cause he knows she would have protested the entire time. I don't know if he made the right decision. I know he did make a decision. <laughs> which is what he thought was the correct decision. And with um, how many sick were around them, it, it was probably the right decision. But with how I feel about Sarah and their relationship and I've lost my father. So I would have been so mad if I had just seen my dad take a grenade and like run out. And I would have been like, you left me alone, which is like a line that's in there. It's like, you left me alone. And so I like, I relate to that and like, you never want to lose a parent. It sucks. So it's just like, I feel like John could have done more, but he did what parents do and he made the right call and a good call that saved him and Tessa and basically gave her a shot at having a
4: mom. So I like that you killed him off. (laughs) Sorry, Joseph, I love you, but no, I just, (laughs) um, I like it when, when writers make a choice, like a really strong choice. And I think that if there aren't, if there aren't, more stakes. It makes it less interesting. And um, I do think that's something a a parent would do in the moment. I mean, it's, you know, he knows that there are too many of them, that they're greatly outnumbered. He knows his daughter can make it at this point. He knows she's in good hands. He knows that Tessa will do whatever it takes to protect her. And also they're tired. I was, when I was re-listening to that, I was like, how exhausted at some point you can't keep going. Yeah, I just think that it was just like a kind of a combination of a bunch of different things factoring in, and it's like it's either me or all of us. So I think he made the decision any parent would make.
0: Well, Joseph, Jillian's happy that you got killed off. Sorry to tell you that, man. I didn't think that that's what we're going to learn tonight.
2: I mean, I'm going to be completely honest. I this is the first time I've ever been killed off, so it was it was it was interesting.
0: Something. Um, that i wanted to bring up is there were changes made to like the like the film version of the script that i kept working on after the podcast had been recorded so i felt like it was only fair to share with you guys what the differences were there was no different outcome as far as like what was going to happen with the desk that wasn't changed at all but what was primarily changed was at the very beginning we have of the podcast we have where it starts in the field and we see the deer shot and then the the scavengers take take Sarah away for a brief moment. What I changed in, in the film version was at the very beginning, rather than going straight into that, I put I put John and Sarah in a different little town or whatever, and I have them sort of looking for food and and, and ammo and stuff like that and not finding anything. And then I have Sarah go up into like the attic area or upstairs or whatever. And look out the window, and that's when she spots the deer. And then she runs downstairs and tells John to, to follow her. So, like, we kind of track the deer for, like, a page or so. And then we have this little moment where, like, John's watching her, like, kind of, it's implied where, like, this is, like, her first time that she has to do something like this for, like, a food source. So that was one scene that was added. That was important. And then I changed the John death a little bit. I had it where he didn't necessarily make this decision like at the like whenever he sees the zombies and he wakes up and then he's he ultimately has like already made his mind up. I had him kind of like snap a little bit, like just because he's been through so much and all this other stuff. I have it where throughout the script, like you see, like the bomb that hit his house, it like kind of affected his hearing. So like he has to rub his ear a lot because it starts ringing a lot and he can't hear that well. So I had that play more of a part in the john death scene where he's like sitting up against the wall trying to sleep but he can't because his his hearing is bugging him so much and he never hears the zombies outside it's sarah and tessa who hear them and they wake up and they're like what's wrong with you why there's so many people outside why aren't you waking up and then he looks out the window and sees it so this makes him really mad and frustrated that he like couldn't anticipate this or whatever So he gets he gets kind of irritated by this and like starts loading his gun up or whatever. And he just says, like, we're going to give them everything we got. Sarah and Tessa don't really want to do this, but they see like he's quite determined. And maybe he knows that like they can take these people out without having without seeing like who's all outside. So they start firing and then he watches like Sarah just like kind of holding her own and Tessa doing her own thing. And like they're working together, reloading like each other's weapons cuz Sarah's only has one arm so she can only do like a pistol. John is watching them do this. He forgets like where he is in the moment and then a, like a couple of sick like walk up to the window or whatever that's not boarded up anymore cuz he took the boards down and they swipe at him and they cut him. Ultimately, he's going to turn so that's what makes him decide like I just need to get this and run outside and be done with it. I changed the scene a little bit. Ultimately, John still dies unfortunately, but yeah. Because of that, we get to the end where Tessa and Sarah end up making it to Cleveland. So they go through this process where they kind of get cleaned up and they're shown a place to stay and all this other stuff. So I'm curious on what you guys, whenever you reach the ending, what did you think about that? Like, what do you think is in store for Sarah and Tessa, do you think like Sarah like goes on to like teach? What do you think Tessa does? Do you think that like they join like these search teams and like kind of looks at other places? And do you trust the people who are staying at the safe zone?
1: I always envision them, you know, taking time to kind of recoup and and you know heal, especially for Sarah and her arm, but ultimately getting a little bored with just kind of the the mundane in and out, you know, because they've been through this crazy adventure you know, with everything that had happened. So I ultimately see them, you know, either joining search parties or even moving on, maybe potentially risking, you know, to find a new a new safe zone and or just kind of roughing it out, in, you know, out in the wilderness. I don't know if they would take that chance, but, you know, I, I just kind of always envision them staying there and, you know, potentially, obviously they had to participate, you know, Sarah could teach and whatnot, but then eventually gets to the point where they just wanted to... Do something more, you know, seek more adventure, not necessarily to take extra risks, but just to kind of like they, they just miss a little bit of that, um, of the adventure that they had together, you know, what really brought them together. Ultimately.
2: I agree. I think they would get bored, especially with Sarah. Like when you read this, when you listen to the podcast or when you read it, when I read the script is like, Sarah wants to help people as much of a shitty world that they live in. Like she, I think there was one instance when uh she mentions that she wanted to help these kids and she was trying to help these kids get out of the the area and they ended up getting infected but she still she still tried even with one arm like she would still probably give her last breath if that meant helping people which is something that like you know i really admired in her character and even for tests like losing a child i can't imagine what losing a child would be like but i can only imagine like especially with her character that she would want to make sure that doesn't happen for anybody else and she's got that fight in her to where if she wants something she'll she'll take it and i mean i know jillian will be able to to say it a whole lot better than i can because she knows the character a whole lot better than me but yeah i think they would get bored and i think they would try to do whatever they could to help people
3: i'd like to think sarah would like it at first Definitely, she'd like the teaching, you know, she's only she only has one arm. So I don't think she'd want to go out for a while. I think she's like, once they get in there, I can definitely feel like they would like emotionally mentally check out for a while, just because it's like, safe. For some reason, I think of, like, um, Sarah being like, no, it's safe, we're fine. And then Tessa is like, it's a conspiracy, like, they're, we're all gonna, they're gonna attack us, and they're gonna sacrifice us for more important people, and like, just like a big conspiracy, you know how all the shows turn out, it's always a big conspiracy, or like, there's something weird going on at the base, I feel like something like that would happen, and tessa's intuition would just tell her and since she like they have a bond now and they like they share an apartment and um uh, sarah's asking tessa to do like her makeup like she like she would do with her mom so i feel like tessa would just feel so obligated to bring sarah with her and sarah just being so trusting of tessa would just automatically jump on board and they get out and make it to safety before anything would happen but i also love the dramatics and that's very dramatic so
0: (laughs) (laughs) julia what do you think
4: Oh, okay. Um, I actually thought about this quite a bit. So I think at first, yeah, they would have, I think anybody who's been through that kind of trauma, they would need to put their heads down for a while and just recover, not just physically, but psychologically. I mean, you're not going to be okay after that, but I am in agreement with everybody. I think that Tessa is not the type of person to just kind of hang out. I think she would probably assume a leadership position, whether she intends to or not. And I think eventually if if I think about what's going on there and it's just basically this commune of people who who are survivors. They're all traumatized. I think eventually there might be a power struggle. And I think ultimately they might have to move on. I don't know if Tessa knows how to sit still anymore. That's something to consider. She I feel like she would be a mother first and foremost, but at the same time I do think that I don't know how long she could stay cooped up or in a community of people who possibly are trying to kind of like leverage. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think, I think I'm in agreement with that. I, whenever I typed this question out, it's not something that like I thought a lot about until I told y'all it was going to be a question on here. I think that they would get an itch to see what other safe zones are like still out there. And if anyone else is there, because I know Alicia says, in in the show that like they sent some teams out to some places and didn't hear too much and all this other kind of stuff but they have this map in their possession that shows where all these other places are and i would assume that whoever's in charge of this one safe zone that they're at probably has the same thing so yeah i kind of see tessa and sarah wanting to do that not because of like necessarily because it sounds like a super fun thing to do because it doesn't really sound that fun with all the danger of course and the loss that happened whatever they were doing at the first time but i don't know i I think they like kind of just start thinking about the past a little bit and then want to ultimately go and try and see who's out there another thing that made me think about it too is whenever i was talking with the guy who did the music for this he listened to the whole thing and he was telling me that like i have this through line in the script where sarah has this attach uh, like attachment to dice because like it's kind of like her comfort tool like a stress ball or whatever and there's this thing where she we see her roll it a, a number of times in the script and it ends up being like a four then a three and then a two at the very end Which was supposed to just signify, like, we started with four people and now we're with two. And it showed two way earlier in the script. But he was like, but it also represents Snake Eyes. And it's not something I really thought about. Because, like, she rolls the Snake snake Eyes again at the safe zone and thinks about it for a second. But I only was trying to say, like, we're down to two people now. So, I don't know. Maybe the Snake Eyes is a thing where, like, maybe these safe zone people can't be trusted. Who knows? The last kind of just fun question I had for y'all was say this world is actually like happening like right now and like you're you're placed out there like do you think that each of you would survive and if so or if not what kind of person do you think you'd be like how different would you be in that kind of world compared to the person that you are like right here
1: i've i've had to think about this i've kind of been thinking about it all day because i honestly don't know if i'd make it and it's not because you know I I wouldn't adjust to you know having to become just harder as a person and and put up that wall but just I have all these health issues as far as like asthma and like I'm just not a great athlete you know so I'm like survival of the fittest really like you know it would be one of those situations so but as far as like survival out in the wilderness I, I definitely think I could make that part of the of the world you know of course like building fires and hunting and you know that sort of thing, but as far as like surviving the the, the sick, I don't know.
2: <laughs> yeah, man, you know, uh, I definitely wouldn't trust. I me as a person, I'm I'm usually pretty easy to trust somebody, but I I don't know. I try my hardest not to do that, but you know, I, I thought about it at two different aspects. I thought about it in a serious aspect, and then like you know, like a, a silly aspect. Like seriousness would be like wouldn't trust anybody. Would keep to myself, would like keep a very close knit of people that, you know, you could trust and then go from there. Because, I mean, you think, you know, somebody and then that kind of situation just turns everybody into something that you they're not or something, somebody that you didn't know. But that was the serious aspect. But the silly one was like, you know, knowing my luck, I'd probably get turned into a sick like I'd be sleeping out in the woods somewhere and I wouldn't hear something coming and I'd get like eaten while I'm in a sleeping bag or something like that. That's always one of the things that I always thought about. It was like especially with Sarah, Tess, Olivia, they were just like camping out in the woods, and I was like, wait, are you guys not like? Is anyone going to take a shift? Like, are you all going to fall asleep at the same time? Is like, what, what's like? I, I would definitely, knowing my luck, would get turned while I was sleeping, and yeah, <laughs> that was the silly aspect that I thought about it.
3: I keep going back and forth. I keep thinking, oh, I think maybe I'd last a couple of years. Um, and then I'd be fine. And then another part of me is like, Oh, I'm a different breed. Of course I would make it like just my very egotistical side of myself. is just like, yeah, no problem. I can do this. Like no problem. But, um, I have a very soft spot for people. So I feel like, I'd probably die by getting, like, um, manipulated by people, by, by being too helpful, too trusting, just because, like, you do, in that, like, type of situation, to bring up something that was earlier said, survival of the fittest, you know, um, I actually watched Bird Box recently, and I think they're, like, there's only two types of people, I watched it for the first time, like, two days ago, um, but anyway, I, that was so sort of random, but he was, like, there's only two type of two types of people that make it, and it's, like, assholes and like crazy people or something like that. I can't remember, but I just thought that was so true. Like just like the front you have to put up, you can't be nice to anybody. You can't be nice to anyone. And I'm just like too nice of a person. I think like, I would see like someone like in the road, like screaming for help. And I'd be like, oh, I'm going to go help them. And they'd be like, Ah, oh, that's a
4: trap. And I'd be like, Oh, you got me. Like, that's it. I'm done. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, I would like to think that I would crush it. <laughs> of course. Um, and I think that if I, if if, maybe (laughs) I would, yeah, why not? But at the same time, we all think that, and then, you know, when we're faced with challenges, we react very differently than how we think we would. But I I do think that I'm a strong enough, stubborn enough, um, resourceful enough person to where if I had the right people with me, I could definitely make it. But out there on my own, I don't think so.
0: So like I've shot I've shot a gun like I think one time in my life. Never hunted. I've never camped. Never had to like cook something out in the woods. So like all that stuff just immediately strikes against me. So I'd have to like. Immediately have someone who can like help me do all of that stuff, and it's probably someone that you can't trust, and they probably want all the stuff for themselves. So like, I feel like that just already puts me like in a big hole, and it just wouldn't, it just wasn't gonna happen. But like whenever you watch all, like all these movies and all these games or whatever, it looks so cool to be able to do it and like to survive. So like I, I would really want to, obviously. I wouldn't just want to be like, just take a look around and say, just, this isn't for me. But it wouldn't be for me. So I don't know. I think I'd go pretty early, unfortunately. Yeah, so I mean, that's all I got. I appreciate y'all doing this. And uh, again, just thanks for the awesome job you did voicing all the characters and the narration, and everything. It turned out really, really great. Way better than I expected uh, whenever I decided I wanted to do this. So really appreciate that. And shout out to the austin actors facebook group i think that's how i found essentially everyone so that helped me out a lot so yeah and then hopefully we can work work again together in the future so thanks again everyone
4: thanks for the opportunity
2: yeah thank you yeah it was yeah it was really fun to be a part of thank you